Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. Question for you on Scott and getting to the higher, higher level stuff versus what they're running and also the execution part of this in which we move towards talking about Carson, what they lose if he's out, which is what has been reported, or Taylor if he comes in, what do they gain potentially even with some of the other offset losses? Do you think, have you worked with coordinators who go, Hey, we can't do the basics. I'm not adding on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and do you wonder if that maybe is a part of his thought process, even though I think both of us would go, Hey, if you add some stuff on, it actually would become easier. And, and and that the simplicity is actually part of the problem, not a sign that you shouldn't make it more complicated uh, based off what you're doing. Well, I think really good coordinators that I've worked with are really good at basically saying like, we've got too much in, Let's distill it down to these like five or six things, but here's a whole bunch of different ways to get to these five or six things. Right. right? And I think that that's, that's something again, like where, like when you watch Scott's offense, yeah, it's really simple, but it's not like it's diverse, you know, like there's a difference between like being simple and straightforward and simple and diverse. And you can do both things. Right. I think you just look at Philadelphia, for example, they do a lot of stuff that like challenges rules and puts, puts uh, defenses in weird spots their their route concepts they are not overly complicated right but they say oh we're just going to motion this or we'll do this one from a bunch or we'll do it off an rpo or hey we can get to this off a of play action or we'll do it off of a half roll and again the concept could be almost exactly the same but just that backfield action manipulates the defense and kind of again stresses rules it, it stresses stresses the mental capacity of the defenders and i think that's the kind of stuff that you don't like again, and I'm gonna. I've said that we said this already, but it, it, it's, it's it irritates me. You run a play, a shot play to Diami, right? You get man to man on third down. You run the same exact shot play out of the same exact formation to the right. same exact guy. Like it's kind of like, come on, like can we we can spice this right. up a little they, bit? You know, it what was I mean? five days ago. Yeah, like, and I understand short week, whatever, but like that's kind of Scott's. No, I'm thing. saying like that's the point. Like, it's so yeah. fresh in their mind. Like, do yeah. something else. Get right. get to it out of emotion. Get to it out of a bunch. Like, right. you know, can you can you have the instead of the three guys? So the the way that was run um, for the audience that might not remember, obviously you do. Like, you have pretty standard three wide receiver split spread uh, to the left. You have your tight end out to the right uh, on a pretty tight split. Like, can you? Can you get Diami in motion on that? Like start him on the right yeah. side, bring him back left, you know, run something different, some eye candy run instead of, you know, just two kind of stop routes to to keep the defenders close on Curtis and, and uh, 
Terry, can you run slants? Can you do something to, to take them away, to give the safety something else to consider? And then can you run Diami in motion across the formation? Give him a running head start. Because now the corner's like, oh, I've seen this before. And it's, he's in phase with him the entire way. That's not really an option. Like, good luck chasing Diami Brown while he's on the move. And or, so, like, little things like that, it's the same play. Um, you know, or, even that, you might wind up in the same formation, uh, it, the way I just described it. But obviously, you could do that a bunches. You can do it all kinds of different ways. And I think even just, like, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, like, kind of my point. But, you know, if you did that from a two-by-two, like like two two, right? And you mm-hmm. and that's a tight tight on both sides, right? Kind of like a bunch or a stack on both sides. And then, mm-hmm. like, Jet Mosin, Diami across. And he becomes the sit route now because he's just sprinting to a spot. That creates horizontal stretch on the defense, right? Right. Then you have the the wide box go, which is run by a different person now. Right. Could be Terry. Terry or Curtis, both of whom are four three guys. Right. And then the out route that you're running there has this huge window because you've really stressed the defense to say, "Oh shoot, I got to sprint out to get to this spot." So you create these windows as opposed to this very stagnant pre-snap picture where you're like, "Okay, like what do they like to do at a three by one?" Because this is what's in front of me. If they get to a quick game and it's man, they like to throw this big box fade. I'm the DB. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? And right. again, you're at such your your splits width is at such a, a, a spacing that you can't run any kind of picks or anything there to help out the receiver. Like, you know, I, I just remember being in Atlanta and like they were obsessed. Anytime we got any kind of man coverage out of a three by one or two by two, like um, Matt would signal and you would run some type of pick route. And teams had to always be kind of like you'd look at the DBs and they'd be staring each other down, like communicating constantly because they knew that was in the bag all the time. Right. And here it's just like, okay, nope, here we go. You and me, let's figure it out. Man coverage. I got help inside over the top. I'm going to force you to the sideline. Let's go. So I think that's again, like help your guys out. Yeah. So that get, that gets then to like, okay, some of this simplicity might be because Carson is not operating the offense uh, the way it's supposed to on paper, at least the way when we watch it, what, what we think. So with Taylor coming in, I would think down in, down out, it probably operates a little better. What do they gain? And then in terms of space, that's, I think, the area where they actually lose the most. Like if you want to look at the pass bins, uh, and I'll put these up somewhere, uh, probably on Twitter uh, first, and it might even put the, put them on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, they'll be up at Craig Hoffman, and I'll throw them on the Team 980's Instagram page as well. But True Media has what they call pass bins. So it's like all these different areas of the field between the hashes, numbers to hash, you know, numbers to sideline. Uh, behind the line of scrimmage, 10 yards, 20 yards, whatever down the field. And if you look at Carson's like 2022 bin, so in this offense, you know, he's 70% uh, to one side, 80% in the other in those kind of slant areas. You look at Heineke's career, which has been mostly in this offense because he's been with Scott everywhere. Um, he's at like 85 and almost 90% in those areas. Um, you also though lose a lot of, you know, the quick outs and things that Carson loves to zip to the sideline. You know, he's like 85 and 72% left and right. Heineke is 74 and 65, uh, down the middle. Again, Heineke's better, uh, down the sideline, the deeper you get down the field, Heineke's bins just disappear because there's areas of the field that he literally can't touch compared to what Carson can do with his arm strength. So how do you think that ultimately winds up playing out? And, you know, I know we just talked about how Scott is very plug and play and doesn't really change the offense, but like realistically, what changes does he have to make to maximize what this team can do if Heineke is the starter for a couple of weeks? 
So, uh, yeah, I think when you look back to training camp, because that's the last time I saw him practice, is like when you watch the ones go, right, there was always a little bit of a – there was a little bit of a labor going through the – um going through practice, right? It's like, oh, you know, like Carson's trying to fire this in. And I, and I think that Heineke, to his credit, like really understands Scott's vision and how the concept's supposed to work. And he's a guy that like, you know, he's standing behind the huddle and he'll kind of – you'll see him pointing – to the concept as the play is going on and where the ball is supposed to be. And for him to recognize it like a beat ahead of Carson or a beat ahead of Sam Howell, like that is what I think you gain here, right? Is you get a guy who knows the offense, understands the timing of the offense and understand based on certain looks where the ball is supposed to go. Right. And that is huge. That's huge for an offense, right? Just having your play caller, your signal caller understand that. Now you mentioned some of his physical limitations and those are on, full display right um pretty consistently um you know last year and again like i like what he did as at the position but some of those throws like in the middle of the field like i think back to the green bay game last year where he's sailing the the bender on all go on all go right and gets terry almost smoked over the middle of the field just because he can't he doesn't have the arm torque yeah that one was bad to get, to get the ball there um i think he's improved in that area but i also think that that's what you lose, right? Like, so can he hit the post to um, Diami against Tennessee? I don't know. Like, does it get there in timing, right? And um, and I don't know. Again, he can get the ball out of his hand quicker because he understands the concepts, he understands the looks, but um, he's, he's got some physical limitations. He holds the ball a long time, but he has a little bit more movement um, in the back there. Him and Carson hold the ball about the same amount of time in the pocket based on last year's statistics. And, um, and I think, like, that's going to stress the O-line. But, again, Taylor can move around a little bit more, is a little bit more of a Houdini, a little bit more of a playmaker. So versus an offensive line that's struggling, that might that probably is an advantage, right? So understanding where to go with the football, his movability, his escapability in the pocket, I think a higher understanding of the offense because he's been in the offense for like a year and a half longer than Carson. It's, it's a big advantage, right? And, again, you lose some of that the, the physical gifts that make Carson special. Like look at those Jacksonville's throws. Look at the – throws against Detroit in the second half. Look at the throws against Tennessee, the big plays, right? Those throws are not there. But hopefully your down-to-down consistency is a little bit more efficient, and then the then the offense is more efficient. So instead of going 1-11 on third down, maybe you're 50% or something like that, or 40%, whatever it is. But that is the thing that you're going to gain from having him helming the show. Yeah, the the time to throw thing is super interesting because I do remember distinctly last year, like losing it, just being like, this guy holds the ball forever. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's like the number. I was actually just trying to look it up real quick, and I can't, I can't figure out uh, how to sort it out uh, <laughs> to get. I can, I can give you uh, his completion percentage by time to throw. I can't find an average number, um, yeah. but there are definitely times where that number is going to look higher because sometimes he extends plays and things like that. So like the average number I'm actually a little less interested in, even though I was just frantically looking for it. Mm. Um, but like there are definitely times where it's like, guy, get the ball out now. Yeah. And mm. and he would eat it or wouldn't see a throw. And I was ready for them to make the switch to Kyle Allen by the end of last year because of it. Cause I'm like, Kyle Allen is not super accurate. Um, but he'll get the ball out on time. Like the right. he will hit his back foot and he will get the ball out. Do I think Heineke is better at that than Wentz though? Absolutely. Um, and I think he's better specifically in some areas of the field where um, Wentz has really struggled. Now Wentz has unlocked some areas of the field, like we said, such as some of these quick outs. Like 
Taylor doesn't really throw those very well. And for Wentz, they're like layups because his arm mm. is so freaking strong that he can just catch, turn, and throw. And, you know, if you need five yards on a quick out, it's there. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how they, they do this, how they manage it with the running game as well. Because one of the one of the struggle points of this offense has been getting the ball to their playmakers, who are wide receivers predominantly, and Terry and Curtis and Jahan hopefully is going to be back this week. And I am a little scared that they will overly fall in love with four game win streak, the middle of last year, Washington football team, where they run the ball more than they should. Um, that's not to say that the running game shouldn't be a healthy part of this offense and that they can't use those guys, by the way, as runners. Um, yeah. And I think they showed that last week that they're willing to give Terry some carries. I don't understand why for a third straight week, Curtis isn't getting carries, um, but you know, okay they've got to get the ball to so their playmakers and and hopefully I think Taylor's someone who understands that for sure. Uh, like I th- almost think that backup mentality of like, I've just got to get the ball to my playmakers and let them do their thing sometimes can be helpful <laughs> versus Carson has talked about how sometimes he's looking for a touchdown on every play. Hmm. And that's just not who Taylor is. Taylor's going to be like, all right, let's get the ball to Terry. Bang. Let's get the ball to Curtis. Bang. The question is, can he avoid turnovers and can he avoid the types of throws are going to get his guys in trouble because he got in a couple, he got more than a few guys laid out last year. Um, you obviously don't want that. And then I, I think depending on how that goes, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole now. Um, but you know, depending on how it goes, they've got real decisions to make whenever it is that Carson comes back because you could be looking at either Heineke playing well. And then do you really go back to the guy who wasn't uh, Heineke played and whatever in the record stinks, you just go to Howell. Or if he's kind of in the middle, then I think you get your thing with Wentz. The one thing, just to kind of wrap up this this thought real quick, too, is assuming an, a fairly even number of snaps and considering how few snaps they played the last couple of weeks offensively, uh, Wentz, if he misses six weeks, is a lock, basically, to not play sixty or 70% of the snaps. So the draft pick thing does become not part of the equation. So even if even if they're out of it, and you don't want to play Hal and you want to get more data points on Wentz at the end of the year, you wouldn't be doing it at the risk of giving up a better draft pick to Indianapolis. So that's nice, I guess. I mean, it is nice. If, if yeah. You, yeah. You know, like that's it's just uh, cold. And I hate like yeah. talking about injuries and stuff this way, but like there is a, that is the reality of the situation. Um, you know, he's going to miss 30. If you miss six weeks, you miss 35% of the season and the chances that they're going to run 40 plays a game. So it winds up being over 70% of the snaps are slim to none. Right. Yeah. So again, like that, that doesn't, that's not part of the equation anymore, which, but I, I mean, I do think there is a world where Taylor comes out and looks pretty good, you know, compared to Carson. I think again, like in his time during training camp, like he's got, he's got something to him. You know what I mean? Like, and everyone was talking about his moxie last year, but his ability to like be the point guard of this offense is, is real. You know, it's a real thing. And, um, and I think like, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he's going to do, you know, again, cause like with, with Heineke, it's always kind of exciting. You know what I mean? He's kind of always yeah. uh, doing something, but I, I do remember, you know, I'm not remembering him with rose colored glasses. I do think he improved this off season, but I remember last year being like, man, this ain't going to go, you know? And, right. um, um, so hopefully he's, he's grown out of that. It appears that he did during training camp, but that's against your own defense. That's very comfortable. We'll see how he looks against, uh, the green Bay Packers here. If he does end up playing. 
Yeah. Um, you know, during that win streak in the middle of the year last year, too, he throw 32, 22, 35, 30 attempts. Carson's been chucking it a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm also curious, again, to see how the game plan is. All right. Uh, that's anything else on Heineke, Wentz, anything else before we move on and, and uh, look at this defense that bent but didn't break against Chicago? No, I think that's – I mean, I'm, we'll see how the, everything, all the news comes out. We'll give an update on uh, Wednesday or whatever. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980 for all of that. <laughs>